Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Progressive Field in Cleveland, it's the Cleveland Guardians 5, the playoff hopeful Baltimore Orioles 2. I'm David Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and while we can't watch our team, you know, make the playoffs, we can at least watch our team play spoiler to a team that's trying to make the playoffs. All right, let's get into the top storylines of this game, and I Obviously, it's got to be the eighth inning of this baseball game, right? I mean, the whole game comes down to the eighth inning, and it's the battle of two bullpens to see which one can implode the least. Uh, Actually, the Guardians' bullpen, frankly, I shouldn't besmirch them because they do a pretty good job of uh, getting us to the eighth inning. And Trevor Steffen uh, absolutely falls apart once again in the top of the eighth inning. Uh, Marlon is going to bring this up in his email, but why? Like, why uh, is Trevor Steffen still in the setup role? Guy clearly needs uh, a reset, right? The end of the season is not going well for him. Trevor Steffen needs some kind of reset. He ends up giving up two runs. He ends up letting the Baltimore Orioles tie the game in the top of the eighth inning. Gives up three hits this time, so it's not the walks, although he did seem pretty wild. Uh, Looking at his his illustrator here, he had a really hard time commanding the uh, splitter, it seems like. There are plenty of splitters here that are wildly off the plate. So uh, Trevor Steffen uh, gives a leadoff single to uh, uh, Heston Kurdish. Oh, boy. It's too late for me to be trying to say his name. Kajerstad uh, gives up a leadoff single to him. They go for a pinch runner. Gunnar Henderson, he strikes out. So that's good. Adley Rushman would then double. Uh, bring the pinch runner Ramon Urias to third. Santander, he gets to ground out to short, but it does bring a run in to score. And then Ryan O'Hearn with the big hit. He gets the double into the right uh, center field gap. And he brings in Adley Rushman to score and tie the game up. So Trevor Steffen goes into the eighth inning with a two-run lead and absolutely blows it. But that's not the interesting thing here. Now, come on. I I, I got to be honest with you. I, I thought maybe this team would get a little boring in this last week. I kind of thought I might run out of things to talk about with you. And then the Guardians go and do something like this. And have one of the strangest game-winning rallies you'll ever see in a baseball game. I just they put three runs across without the big hit, without like the the one. Like sure, there are there are hits in this rally, there are technically base hits, but uh. You know, one is a a uh, lightly hit ball. Oh, actually, no, it's ninety eight point three from Andres Jimenez. So okay, it's a d- decent single uh, into right field from Andres Jimenez, but um, it's a ground ball into right field, and and the runners can only move up one base, so that's not the big hit. And then the other hit in the inning is Bo Naylor blooping one down the right field line, hitting it at fifty two degree launch angle. Whew, that is a major league pop up. And uh, the, their second baseman, Frazier, just can't can't make the catch. A catch is yeah, it is difficult. Like the level of difficulty in that over the shoulder running catch, he ran a long way from second base. 
The level of difficulty on that catch is high, but we expect Major League Baseball players to make that catch because we've seen Major League Baseball players make that catch dozens of times. We've seen first basemen get out there and slide and make that catch. We've seen right fielders come in and call everybody off, which is probably what should have happened. Didn't it feel like their right fielder was dogging it just a little bit coming in on that one? It wasn't Santander out there today. He was DHing. So it was Aaron Hicks out there in right field. Didn't he feel like if that's Brennan or Loriano, they're probably calling off Jimenez and taking that themselves? But it just felt like Aaron Hicks was jogging over there, assuming Frazier would make it. How far out into the outfield did uh, Bo Naylor hit this one? 215 feet out into the outfield. So Frazier, from where he stands, is probably 115 feet or so out himself from second base. And it felt like Aaron Hicks just kind of assumed he was going to make that catch. So those are your two hits in the inning. And yet they score three runs. It's It starts with Josh Naylor getting hit by the pitch. Taking one for the team, we'll say. Tyler Freeman works a walk, which is really great to see. Some of these walks were long at bats. Uh, Ramon, in fact, I can go to the matchups, and I can tell you exactly how long these at bats were. Now, this is against uh, CNL Perez, who uh, Marlon does a good job of pointing out. Uh, the commentators mentioned that CNL Perez pitched in his fourth game in the last five days. Marlon says, to the surprise of no one, he didn't have it tonight. Um, he has a whole thing here about uh, reliever usage, and uh, that's kind of what spurred it for him. So, CNL Perez pitching on fumes here. Uh, Tyler Freeman works a six-pitch walk, uh, so good job out of him. Andres Jimenez would uh, work a six-pitch at bat and jump on that low singer, sinker and pull it into right field. Uh, so, it loads the bases up for Ramon Laureano. He works a seven-pitch at bat. And he's trying to attack him with, uh, this is Jacob Webb at this point. So they take CNL Perez out after three batters. They go to Jacob Webb. And he's trying to get him with change-ups. He leaves too many change-ups down and in. Ramon Laureano had already swung through one on the fourth pitch of that bat, which, I mean, it was a mighty, mighty swing. He was trying to put one on the left field home run porch but whiffs badly. He goes back to it on the seventh pitch of the at-bat on a full count, and he lays off it this time. Uh, it's a little more down, and uh, he lays off it, and Ramon Laureano draws the bases loaded walk, which drives in that first run. Will Brennan, uh, they're trying to pitch him away. He would eventually chop one to first base. It's a force out at home, so he can't get the job done, and you're like, Oh, boy, are they going to hit into a double play or something crazy and just waste this opportunity? Yes, they took the lead. They they did take a 3-2 to two lead. But you just felt like they were going to waste the opportunity because the big hit wasn't coming. So Bo Naylor comes up. The crowd is chanting his name. Cleveland fans are trying to get this rally going and uh, get it over the top. He takes a fastball for strike one and then gets a changeup at the knees and absolutely skies it down the right field line. The ball falls, everybody moves up a base, Andres Jimenez scores, so now you've scored two runs in this crazy rally. You still haven't had a big hit. You've had two okay hits, but you haven't had the big RBI hit yet that you're really waiting for, the exclamation point that we always talk about on rallies. But there's still only one out. Gabriel Arias, they're trying to pitch him away with sweepers. 
He uh, chases one for a swinging strike down and away. The next one comes away, but it's not down, and he's able to chop it. Uh, he actually grounds out back to the pitcher, but the pitcher's only plays to go to first base, so Ramon Laureano is able to score. Everybody else moves up a base. And uh, so, I, I mean, it's not a great swing. It's It's a pretty bad swing, but somehow it gets a run across. And at this point, the the Fox announcers, this game was televised nationally on Fox. If you were if you didn't get a chance to see it or if you were listening on the radio, at this point, the Fox announcers are almost dogging us for not being able to get the big hit, saying this is how Cleveland has to do it because they have no power in their lineup. I mean, they were they were literally dumping all over the Cleveland offense in this eighth inning and the fact that we couldn't get a big hit. Quan then works a nine pitch. Walk and he starts out 0 2 in this at bat. It starts with a, a four seam fastball up and away that he fouls off for the first pitch of the at bat. Then the second pitch is another fastball in the exact same location that he takes for a called strike. So he's down 0 2. He takes a fastball inside, makes it a 1 2 count, then fouls off the next three pitches in a row before finally getting really patient with it taking a changeup down below the strike zone for ball two, taking a sweeper that doesn't catch the plate. Uh, It stays outside on him for uh, ball three. And then a four-seam fastball up and away. Webb loses it. He loses the at-bat. He falls apart and walks Quan to reload the bases for Jose Ramirez. Now, what did we talk about? We just talked about this. Ramirez is having a terrible season with the bases loaded. He has one hit the whole season. I think it was one hit in 12 at-bats, or plate appearances, if I'm correct. He's drawn a few walks, but he only has one hit, and it was a grand slam against Kansas City. So here he comes, bases loaded. They've already put up three runs in the inning, which is quite impressive. But, I mean, this is this is a, this is a chance for a moment here. This is a chance for a real moment. Everybody, you know, their eyes are glued on Jose Ramirez, He takes a a fastball down below the knees for ball one, gets another fastball, another low one, but it's dead center of the plate. I would call this the middle down quadrant, and he he gets it. 98.3 mile per hour exit velocity, 32 degree launch angle, 379 feet, but it's to dead center field, maybe just right of dead center field, kind of towards the bullpens. And Cedric Mullins is able to run it down a step or two in front of the wall and make the catch. It had a 340 expected batting average, which isn't super high, but it was zero out of 30 ballparks that this would have been a home run in. So Ramirez just maybe gets under it a little bit. Maybe if it was a 31-degree launch angle instead of a 32, this ball goes out for a grand slam. And, I mean, it's a real party at the Carnegie corner of Carnegie and Ontario if that happens. Still, I mean, still three runs in the bottom of the eighth inning is fantastic. Did the Guardians do it in the weirdest, sloppiest, most patient way possible? Yes. Yes. I'm not sloppy on our end. Sloppy on Baltimore's end. Um, Yes, they did. Was Jose Ramirez the chance at the big hit? Yes, it absolutely was. It just comes up a little short. And this made me go into research mode here because I was thinking to myself, he has to have some home runs on this season. Like, what is his ISO? What is his slugging from this middle down zone? And I go over to his zone breakdowns here on StatCast, and sure enough, this season, as a left-handed hitter, 
he has zero home runs from middle down. Most of his home runs, six of his home runs come from middle middle. Uh, two come from down and away, and then single home runs from a few more quadrants, but zero home runs from down, middle, down. He has hits there, mostly singles, uh, 10 singles and six doubles from that zone. So, okay, he can shoot one, you know, back up the middle, shoot one through the infield, maybe even hit a gap with it, uh, from that zone, but he hasn't hit a home run all season from that zone. And here you go. He just missed it. So something, something about getting that ball a little elevated helps him keep it on a line and uh, rocket the ball out of the ballpark. So it's crazy. One of our emailers here uh, pointed out, it was Marlon again. Uh, he said, uh, Davey, you've talked about winning innings this season. Well, they won the eighth inning three runs to two. And absolutely Marlon. Uh, I mean, the Baltimore Orioles made their comeback. They made their stand in the top of the eighth inning. They put up a crooked number. They tie the game. And you go and you win the inning. You put up three yourself. You don't. I mean, they could have shuttered. They could have shut it down. They could have, you know, crawled into a hole when the big bad Baltimore Orioles, who are in first place in the American League East, came, you know, came storming back and scored their two runs and tied the game. They they could have tucked their tail. I think that's all the analogies I have for being a coward. Uh, but no, they they hung in there. They had really really competitive at bats. And it was contagious. Uh, the deeper that inning went, the more competitive and the longer the at-bats got. So it's just another example of how contagious offense can be, how contagious uh, having good approaches at the plate can be. It rubs off on each other. If one guy can make a pitcher work, it rubs off on the rest of the lineup. They kind of pick it up. They understand what they have to do up there. So uh, a fantastic job of coming back, and then Classe shuts the door in the ninth inning. It got a, it got a little wild. It was a walk and a hit. Uh, you know, a leadoff walk and a single is not what you want to see, but he strikes out Adam Frazier. He strikes out Ramon Urias, and he gets Gunnar Henderson to line out. And believe me, the Fox broadcasters wanted Gunnar Henderson to be the hero. They were all prepared for Gunnar Henderson to be a hero that they could do a, a story about. But nope, it's Emmanuel Classe who locks it down. It wasn't pretty for him. In fact, if you look at his illustrator, uh, he was kind of all over the place too. Uh, missed high with that cutter a couple times, like way up there, threw a few sliders in the dirt, but was able to get under control. For the most part, uh, he was in the zone with his cutter, high with the cutter, low with the slider, he even painted that down and away corner a couple of times with that slider, three times in specific with that slider, down and away. Uh, so it's good to see uh, there were good pitches in there. There were also some absolutely wild ones up over guys' heads. Um, and Bo Naylor does a good job of keeping it all in front of him and not letting anybody advance. So, uh, yes, it's nice to see Classe shut the door once again and pick up a save. Um, other things that happen in this game, they do score their first two runs in the fifth inning. They have a nice little rally. Jose Ramirez actually gets to be the hero in the fifth inning, and I just thought it was interesting because he basically singled through the exact same spot that uh, Andres Jimenez did the other day, uh, yet in the day game uh, to finish up the Kansas City series. 
And if you remember, I was pretty harsh on Andres Jimenez because he swung at a pitch that was way too far outside. He got very lucky that this thing found a hole. A sing-eye single, as they would say. This one from Jose Ramirez seemed a little more planned, a little more tactical, a little more aggressive from Jose Ramirez. He gets another pitch here that's middle down, and this one's even lower towards his knees. And it did seem like his plan was to shoot this thing into that gap, into that gap between second and short on the second base side of the bag, the second baseman's side of second base. Uh, it, it did seem like his plan to shoot it through there and uh, shoot it back up the middle. Whereas Andres Jimenez kind of just turned over on an outside pitch and was just really lucky to find a hole in the defense for that one. It's not that Jose hit it that much harder. It was 88.2 mile per hour exit velocity. It just it seemed like based on his swing, that's where he was trying to go with it. So uh, that's kind of the difference right there. I just... I didn't want to be so harsh on Andres Jimenez the other day and call it all bat-bip luck uh, and then have Jose Ramirez do the exact same thing here and not mention it. So a nice little rally there that started with a walk. Hey, leadoff walks and innings are a really bad idea. And uh, Quan would single, and then Jose Ramirez would single in that run. Naylor would hit a sack fly, so he would put in the work to get uh, Quan home and uh, give the Guardians that 2 nothing lead. So uh, it wasn't the best day for the offense, but they managed five runs on eight hits. And hey, I, uh, you know, the announcers are right. Sometimes you do. Sometimes you have to win the Guardians way and win dirty and win without power in hitting home runs. And uh, the Guardians actually managed to pull it off in this one. Uh, six walks to go along with those eight hits. So that's a decent amount of base runners right there. Um, on the other side of things, uh, it was kind of a bullpen game with Hunter Gaddis being called up to, I, I, know, I don't know, do a spot start maybe. Um, Marlon also asked, I'm just using your email the whole time, Marlon, uh, why Gaddis instead of Xavier Curry, or as he calls him, X-Man, um, who's been in the rotation before. Maybe it's just a thing where Gaddis is more stretched out at this point because they kind of shrunk Xavier Curry back down, and they've just had him kind of pitching in normal relief. I, I actually, if this thing had gone to extra innings, tied 2-2, I wonder if Xavier Curry would have come in to pitch in extra innings again because he was getting Class A ready to pitch the ninth inning no matter what, which I actually like. Uh, it's proven at this point that uh, Emmanuel Class A does not do good in extra inning situations. He does not do good with that runner on second base. Much, much better pitcher in the ninth inning with the bases empty and a nice clean inning to start. So I'm actually okay with them using. Most teams would say, most home teams would save their closer so that they could, uh, actually, no, it doesn't matter for the home team. It'd be the away team that would save their closer so that they could use them in the bottom of whatever inning they finally score a run in. So for the home team, yeah, it, it matters much less because he's never going to have a save situation if it goes into that ninth inning all tied up. Uh, the most he could do is get a win, but he does manage to get the save in this one because the Guardians offense came through for him. So, uh, yeah, so m- maybe that's what's going on. Maybe Curry just isn't re-stretched out. So Gaddis gets the start, throws 56 pitches, three innings pitched, one hit, no earned runs, two walks, and one strikeout. On 56 pitches, he's only hard hit twice. I got to say, it's actually a pretty competitive, pretty competent little start from Hunter Gaddis. It's nice to see that he's like, 
he has a possibility. He has some eh, some usage here that the major league team might get out of him. No pitch in particular was very effective. Uh, he only had a 12% whiff rate. He got three whiffs on his four-seam fastball. It did have seven called strikes, so the pitch itself had a 30% CSW. They did manage to put eight of them in play with an average exit velocity of 88.7. But his total CSW on the day was only 23%. So not a super effective day from Hunter Gaddis as far as getting strikes, getting strikeouts goes, but uh, was competitive, battled, and it's a small sample size here, but it it looks like his command was okay. Looks like he didn't really have much command on the changeup or the curveball. He actually left some curveballs way up there. But the fastball and the slider were both working for him. He was throwing the fastball to both sides of the plate, both throwing the slider in the strike zone and throwing it at the bottom of the strike zone below the knees um, even. So uh, a competent start from Hunter Gavis, which gives way to the rest of the Guardians bullpen that you got to give credit to. Like, give credit to Eli Morgan. He goes two innings for you. No hits, no walks, three strikeouts. That's... Pretty good stuff from Eli Morgan, who kind of needed a bounce back, right? We, we've been pretty hard on him lately, and he, he kind of needed a bounce back performance. Sam Henches picks, pitches a very, very good sixth inning, and I thought that was a big one to put up zeros in the sixth inning because uh, Henches had to face the top of their lineup there in the sixth. So, you know, sometimes you use a reliever based on where you are in the game, and sometimes you use a reliever based on where they are in the lineup. And obviously, that's usually some kind of left, lefty-righty situation there. But sometimes it's just you're at the top of their lineup, and you're facing their best hitters. Maybe you want to have your best option out of the bullpen in there. And for the last two months, it's kind of been Sam Henches. It's quietly been Sam Henches. So he shuts it down uh, pretty good in the sixth inning. A lineout, he does give up a double to Adley Rushman, but he strikes out Santander and gets Ryan O'Hearn to ground out. So I'd say that's a pretty fair showing uh, from Sam Henches right there. So uh, Ronaldo Lopez manages the seventh before turning it over to Stefan, who survives the eighth inning somehow, almost gives the game away uh, before Klasse comes in and shuts the door. All right. Honestly, that's all my thoughts on this one. I, I am exhausted. Uh, it's been a, it's been one heck of a long season, and frankly, it's been a long week. So uh, let me wrap up a few more of your emails here. Um, I think we covered most of Marlins here. I think I peppered him in uh, as much as I can. Uh, he is worried about Classe's usage, talking about uh, Felix Batista having the UCL tear and the Tommy John surgery. And Kase has pitched, he said, in 72, 77, plus four playoff games and 72 games and counting for the past three years. I'm afraid he'll have similar fate as Batista from all the wear and tear on his arm. Uh, yeah, it's, you know, it's amazing. They just, uh, on the TV broadcast a few days ago, they got into a whole conversation about Bob Feller and how many innings that guy used to throw. And it's just amazing what we've, somehow what we've done to pitchers today where their bodies can't take what their colleagues used to do. I know at this point it's like 60, 70 years ago. But, yeah, uh, I don't know. Kase's never had any problems like that. So I, I guess I trust the front office. I mean, yeah, 70 appearances, that's about what I would expect from uh, your 
top reliever in your organization. So thank you for the email, Marlon. Um, Bob in Highland Heights says, kudos. He says, I'm happy to not be a critic tonight. The Guardians came to play, and I enjoyed watching it. You know, there was some good energy there, Bob. You have a good point. Um, It did feel like even though we weren't in the playoff race, it did feel like that chase for October, that playoff energy baseball out there. So the energy was in the ballpark. Just just to face a team like Baltimore and uh, to go toe-to-toe with them, I thought the crowd responded well, and I thought there was good energy uh, in the ballpark. So thank you for the email there. Bob did have a question that he emailed earlier in the day. Uh, can you... S- Further to yesterday, can you speculate on why Cam Gallagher was kept over Eric Haas and why he's being played over David Fry? Uh, Perhaps Gallagher was a help to the young pitchers, but that does not explain catching for Giolito. Well, the reason Bo Naylor was out is because he literally always gives the catcher the day off on the getaway day, whoever the starting catcher is. So you saw that one coming a mile away. Uh, When they have to travel, it's not going to be Bo Naylor. Uh, unless for some reason there was a really tough lefty who went the night before uh, that he might uh, give him the off day against the lefty instead of the getaway day. That's just uh, Francona's philosophy, no matter who's been catching. Um, Why he was kept, Gallagher kept over Eric Haas, I have to assume that Gallagher's leadership in the the clubhouse, in the pregame pitching meetings... In the bullpen sessions, I just I have to imagine that Cam Gallagher's insight and knowledge is so valuable to these pitchers that that's why they're not getting rid of him. That's why they've kept him around all season. It's definitely not his baseball playing. So some tangible, I, I, he must have made a connection with the coaching staff and with the pitchers where they want to keep him around, at least through this season. I, does something have to change next year? Absolutely. Absolutely. This is untenable. Like, you cannot keep going like this. But, uh, I mean, that's my only explanation for it. Just Let's just get to the end of the season, and then we can all move on together. Maybe it will be David Fry and Bo Naylor as the uh, pair of catchers back there. Or maybe they'll go out and sign a veteran that can actually hit uh, to fill that role. Got a slightly confusing email from uh, Ben. Ben, I don't know if we've got an email from you before. He emailed me today uh, talking about how he got a chance to go to the Guardians at Giants game a few Mondays ago. It was the one where Classe blew the save. Um, and he said it was a fun experience, even although that happened. Uh, ben, feel free to email back in and let me know a little bit more of your thoughts on the... Uh, on the team and stuff like that. I, I'm glad we got a new emailer in the inbox. I just uh, love to hear more of your thoughts there, Ben. So uh, continue to feel free to join in on the conversation. I'm guessing Ben is native to California, the Bay Area, uh, if he got a chance to go see the Guardians out at the Giants uh, stadium there. So uh, our last email is from Jeff in Columbus. Jeff with a G. He says, I'm writing this note as the game is going. The eighth inning thing is so funny. It's so emblematic of the Guardians offense. Three runs so far and nothing hit hard. We can barely get the ball out of the infield. Ugh, what I wouldn't give for a double or a home run. 
oh, well, I'll take it so we have a few insurance runs for Class A to close it out. By the way, I like watching games on TV, but this Fox broadcast is annoying. I don't get Bally Sports, so I mainly listen to the radio broadcast and monitor the MLB Ballpark game app. Nice change of pace, Jeff and Columbus. Yeah, I thought that the uh, the national broadcast, really weird. Like, the guy was watching one inning, and the guy kept screwing up Jose Ramirez's name. Now, it's because the pitcher for Baltimore was named Rodriguez. So, Rodriguez was facing Ramirez, but still, how are you, you going to miss that? How are you going to mix that up? Speaking of uh, broadcast crews and mixing things up, I think I heard, I think I was watching the TV broadcast in Kansas City, and I think I heard my first slip-up of like the entire season where I think it was Rick Manning called the Guardians the Indians, uh, which I, I thought that was all behind us. I thought we had ironed out the kinks on that, but one slip through at the end of the season. Um, so... Yeah, so the eighth inning there, Jeff, you're typing out this email, and then Ramirez basically hits one to the wall in center field, and I'm sure you're like me. I, I jumped up. I thought for sure uh, he got it and that we were uh, going to take this huge lead and have this big moment. And I could come on here and tell you how his batting average is improving with the bases loaded this season, but it just didn't happen. And you're right, how emblematic of this Guardians offense. All right, that's all my thoughts. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. MVP on the day. Ooh, this is a tough one because the offense is really spread around. Um, Man, everybody pitched well out of the bullpen. Uh, I think I got to go with uh, who had the go-ahead RBI. It was Ramon Laureano's walk. Ramon Laureano's walk was the go-ahead RBI there in the eighth inning uh, that set Classe up for his safe situation. So even though we tacked on, I, I mean, I can't give it to Bo Naylor for hitting it at a 52-degree launch angle, can I? I can't give it to Jose Ramirez for almost hitting a home run, although he did have the RBI hit earlier in the game and was two for four on the day with a walk. But uh, Ramon Laureano, you pushed across the go-ahead run there in the eighth inning you, you did what had to be done, and you worked the walk, and you set a nice example for the rest of the team to work those walks behind you. So I'm giving Ramon Laureano MVP on the day. I know it's it's not a great reason why, but frankly, when I look at this game, it's just everybody found a way to contribute a little bit. I don't think anybody truly stood out in this one. All right, uh, that's all my thoughts. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. You can f- uh, Again, the final from Progressive Field. It's the Guards 5, the Baltimore Orioles 2. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Tomorrow, Shane Bieber makes his return start. I'm sure he'll only go like 60, 70 pitches or something like that. But Bieber is back on the mound at Progressive Field. So I know you're going to have some thoughts and some ideas to email me on that one. So feel free to email in clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. And thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning.